This is the Marketing Hero Podcast by ClearPivot, turning marketers into heroes. Welcome to the Marketing Hero Podcast by ClearPivot. We have Lori on the call, Lori Mankin. She works for a company called LifeSize. Um, And I'm going to interview her today. Uh, Hi, Lori. How's it going? Hey, Monica. I'm doing really well. Um, I wish I was in California, but you know. (laughs) I know. It's great. Isn't it? What is it? Thundering in Austin or what? It was this morning. It actually is a beautiful blue now, so I I can't complain. I'll definitely get outside today. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I have, you know, a bunch of nieces and nephews I'm dealing with, so me seeing the sunlight is probably slim to none. Um, But yeah, okay, let's get started. Um, Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell the audience about what you do for life size and what is a kind of a normal day in the office for you. Sure. Um, So I've been doing marketing for tech companies for probably about the last 10 years. Um, I've been on very small teams where there's only, where I'm the only marketer. Um, I've also been on teams of three and and right now I'm on a little more of a robust team. I think there's about uh, 15 marketers right now. And then I've also seen the other side where it was a a team size of about 30. So, um, this is a interesting middle space for me. And, um, so life size is a video conferencing company. And, um, what I do there is I mostly focus, um, on demand generation. Uh, I do a lot of content creation on a very regular basis. Uh, I think my expertise is probably in our nurture campaigns, uh, kind of the guardian of all the nurture campaigns, uh, whether it's getting prospects to move more efficiently through the buyer's journey or um, getting customers to adopt to the product um, more effectively and uh, also some upsell campaigns as well. So that's that's kind of what I do. And I've been there about two years now. Oh, nice. Um, so do you do much of kind of the ABM marketing? And for anybody that doesn't know what ABM means, it's um, account-based marketing. Um, and if you do, uh, tell us a little bit about what kind of life size does um, in terms of ABM marketing and why it's important for them. Sure. Um, so I do a lot of ABM marketing right now, and um, I have actually done it um, at every company I've worked at and it looks incredibly different as you can imagine. So mm-hmm. whether, um, you know, you're a small business and you're just, uh, taking this on, on your own or, or you're a large company, I'll try and kind of speak to both of those. But, um, the way it works at life size is, and as you can imagine, when you're doing account-based marketing, um, you work really closely with the sales team and, uh, our structure is, something that has been more successful um, with companies that have the resources to be able to do it. So you have your traditional inbound model um, where basically you're hoping people will come to you and you're putting great content out there for them to uh, kind of absorb and then move through the funnel um, and reach out to your sales organization. And ABM is kind of going back to what I consider the better or the more improved traditional marketing or traditional sales where you reach out to very particular audiences and serve them something very customized. So um, as you can imagine, these efforts are incredibly different as far as goals go. And, uh, you know, if you talk to a lot of salespeople, um, inbound compensation is, or compensation for a sales rep is going to be so much more different. Uh, it's it kind of asks a lot of a sales rep to really focus on solely on very specific accounts. So um, what we do at Life Size is we have 
uh, a sales rep who helps with inbound leads and then a sales rep that solely uh, focuses on ABM or outbound. And that kind of, because ultimately what will happen is if you have a situation where one person is or the team is doing both things, it's very challenging for the sales rep to be able to focus on the outbound because they will often uh, focus more on what's right in front of them, the inbound element, because it's coming at them so quickly. Uh, so it's it's usually beneficial if you have the resources to keep those uh, kind of separate. And uh, I work with our sales team to develop email cadences for the outreach. We do some direct mailers um, for very specific audiences and um, as well as some of the people on my team deal with the digital advertising that's served to um, these very specific companies that uh, we're trying to attract and interest or, or gain interest into our company. So that's a little bit of an overview, if that's helpful. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, do you, you, you mentioned life size is what, about 15 marketers. Um, how do you have it kind of structured at the company? Um, do you have people working specifically on ABM or do you, and then you have other people that are doing more just kind of like the lead gen from the website? Um, how is it normally structured at LifeSize and where have you seen it differently elsewhere? So what's interesting is we're kind of unintentionally aligned toward um, the ABM model just because um, our demand generation team has, uh, the demand generation team of the marketing team is about five people. And then um, the rest of the team is mostly the corporate marketing team. And they focus mostly on like content creation. They're, they're really the um, writers for uh like white papers and blogs and video content and that type of thing so they definitely are kind of geared more toward the inbound audience whereas demandgen we we weren't really designed this way but we have the flexibility to switch though we do inbound efforts be able to really um focus on outbound uh as well and so it's it's kind of interesting <laughs> um and, and some companies big companies or larger companies i should say uh I, I've been on teams where they have tried, um, they've also split the marketing into specifically ABM creation or ABM team and um, an inbound team. And the reason for that is because um, you're just creating so much custom material. Like for example, if you're um, creating, I worked at a social media company, it's now called uh, Koros, but um, if you're working on a piece for Target, uh, going specifically after Target, then you're going to want to have a, a white paper that explains uh, specifically what they need to be doing based on what would be good for them for social media, kind of like a, a very um, in-depth audit. And it can be very uh, time intensive. And uh, if you're trying to create material uh, inbound material on a regular basis um, while keeping up with the regular side of things, it would be very frustrating to have to create this very customized, um, individualized experience. So um, I have seen marketing teams also be split um, in conjunction and, and then working really close with the sales reps team. But we, um, like I said, at LifeSize, we're kind of designed for that with with an unintentional <laughs> effort it yeah. just kind of seamlessly works that way um and, and then, it's, it, uh, it's interesting that yeah. you say that because um obviously with a account based marketing you like you mentioned it's very it's very tailored to the specific yeah. company that you're targeting so 
with companies that are deciding to wanting to do ABM and how do they go about doing it? I mean, what kind of recommendations do you have in using the content that they have, just tweaking the name a little bit? Should they do more in-depth research for those type of things? I mean, how quickly can you put together an ABM program um, at a company that's never really done it before? So I think what's interesting about large marketing teams versus small marketing teams is when you're on a small marketing team, you have access to everything. So I've been on teams where I have access to all of the design materials and that made ABM incredibly easy because when you have access to all the design docs, you can go in and change a couple things, especially if you're if you're focusing on a specific vertical for ABM. You can go in, tweak a couple things to make it feel like a very custom experience. Uh, and it's very simple. However, in, in a larger organization, you usually have someone who's a designer um, and you're kind of, uh, you want to be mindful of their time. So my recommendation to larger companies would be to try and create uh, uh, kind of templatized design. Any Anything that's going to be intended for ABM use needs to be easily accessible to that team or those individuals who are going to be creating tailored content. Um, just that accessibility. And you can use, uh, I mean, very advanced designers can use um, tools like uh, Adobe and, and anything under their suite, but you can actually probably take a lot of these materials and put them on Canva, which is free. And then you could have, uh, you could have a much easier access to people who may not be um, very focused designers, and then they can create that kind of tailored content. Um, so I think that one of the biggest challenges um, at a larger company, though, is, is being able to uh, customize and create that tailored content uh, quickly without taking up too much time on the designer side who may be on the other team. Um, so that's always a balance. Yeah. Um, and how does this directly affect the sales team? Because I know with inbound um, leads that are coming from the website, they go straight to the sales as a new lead. With account-based marketing, it's a little bit different. The sales team is already working that lead or has, and you're working on kind of upsell, or you have a certain company that you work with, and now you're trying to target companies that are kind of similar to that. Um, mm -hmm. And I know you mentioned that you work directly with the sales team, but how does it differ between those two? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So typically the, you know, the traditional inbound process is um, we will have leads come in and when they reach a certain threshold, if they're asking for a demo, obviously they get a response pretty quickly. But um, if they're downloading a certain amount of content or reach a certain threshold, that's the um, inbound sales reps key to kind of respond for, for outbound. We, I mean, we go through a number of strategies. We probably uh, create a separate focus quarterly and um, that focus can be just based on uh, feedback from the executive team feedback from the sales reps um, and then of course my favorite is is kind of any data induced video or data induced um, feedback where we're kind of seeing a popular trend amongst something or we're seeing a lot of conversion amongst a lot of customers um, coming in that's always the best audience because for a number of reasons. One, you just if you've just got a flood of certain customers who are all very similar, then you understand how you can craft messaging that really meets their needs. So for anyone who's getting into ABM, I would say the easiest way to do it is look at your most recent acquired customers and then go after um, what's called a lookalike audience uh, because you're already kind of walking the walk and talking the talk. So on a quarterly basis, when we're looking at uh, the audience that we would like to go after, uh, kind of 
and again, if you're new to ABM, I would recommend you you go after one audiences um, that are most like the customers you've been acquiring recently because you already have the messaging down. And then the second piece of advice that I would give someone starting into ABM is to uh, if if you're not comfortable allocating the funds to go after a brand new audience, you can kind of test out ABM with your closed loss within the last year. Um, that's an audience that knows you pretty well, uh, and it's a more calculated approach um, and a less cold calling situation. So uh, it, it, your dollar will definitely go farther when you're focusing on that. So uh, the way I work with the sales reps who are working on outbound materials is uh, for for kind of the e-staff audience of whatever companies we're going after will craft and tailor some sort of direct mailer because, uh, you know, uh, executive staff don't, or CEOs, they don't have a tendency to go to a lot of webinars. Some do, and that's great. That's awesome. But um, the it's it's interesting that we go so old school and direct mail still can be um, the, the loudest way to to reach someone. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, when you're going after e-staff level, you probably are going to get, get something a lot nicer because you need to get past that barrier, that person. So, you know, we've done things like very nice bottles of wine, incredibly nice um, cutlery sets. It's just a way to get eyes in front of that really high level person. I get sent direct mailers uh, quite often and, you know, marketers marketing to marketers. <laughs> yeah, it's always, uh, it's always such a joy because we're going to appreciate we're going to appreciate everything they send us in general just because we're like, oh, good job. Well played. Or or, you know, some people might be the, the hardest critics on it. But um, the I don't receive knife sets because that wouldn't be a very appropriate target. So yeah, we all get fun little puzzles or or something um, interesting that will kind of catch my attention. So I'll work with the sales team to develop kind of what what's the hook what's the direct mailer for the e-staff and then um if we would also like to send something directly to uh the it director is kind of our audience at life size so that's who we really focus on and then uh, we'll also work together to put together uh, an email cadence in kind of response to that um that direct mailer so uh, it's a lot of language like it's very casual uh i if you if you haven't looked into Drift, they're a chat app, but they also mm -hmm. do a lot of email marketing. If you haven't looked at Drift's email templates, they completely, I mean, they're amazing. It's, we're, we're kind of gone of the days of, you know, the marketing emails that are like, please read my white book, my white paper. It's fantastic. Like the uh, emails have gotten a lot more casual. They've gotten a lot more fun. They use emojis. They really grab you. It's it, again, it's really fun. Yeah, I love seeing those, the ones <laughs> that are just not, not so serious because you can't continue to keep your, yeah. you know, take yourself so seriously all the time, especially a mm -hmm. company like Life Size that's like, it's, it's video, you know, yeah. and video is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be engaging. It's supposed to be, you know, human, you know, so yeah. we're all human and we want to see, you know, things that are just not like, here is our white paper on blah 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 it's just like okay well what's actually in here and why do i want to read it in a very casual way it's and it's it's hard as marketers because you'll meet it's it's you might run into situations where you're trying to stay on brand uh and so you might run into roadblocks where someone says oh this isn't a brand or it doesn't seem as professional or you know we we want to go this route there 
if you can find a way to introduce humor and make somebody laugh, that's worth everything. Super powerful. Yeah, I know. And I think that's a lot of the things people don't realize that you might have defined your brand, but there's still levels of your brand that you can, you can change, you know, your overall brand can be the same, but the tone and language can evolve over time. So as we start to grow, as companies grow, as the technology gets better, it's okay to shift that a bit, you know, to really engage with your customers that you're, you're trying to target. Absolutely. You can find a level of humor or lightheartedness with people um, and, and be able to connect with them. I, I think that's absolutely possible. And, and it's, it's definitely a push for some people, but it's, it's so much more worthwhile and the connections are so much greater. I can't tell you how many times I get an email uh, and they say, I think it's something like, um, Hey, do you want to grab coffee or something? And I said, ah, oh, they got me. It's like, yes, I do. I, <laughs> I would do like a venti chai tea latte with an ad chat. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and, and even with the current circumstances where people are working from home, they'll say like, Oh, I'm they'll, um, they'll, it's, it's, it's fun to get creative. You can use, uh, like Uber Eats to actually deliver someone coffee. Um, and then you meet, you can hop on a video call and actually have coffee together. So, and it, I think that it, is huge with yeah. enterprise SaaS companies because a lot mm-hmm. of these sales members who work for these enterprise SaaS companies where their targeted audience is, you know, people that are going to, we're going to get like a $500,000 sale from it. They're going to meet them face to face. That still exists. And if you now with this whole kind of transition with COVID and the pandemic that's happening, virtual is the way to go. So if you can incorporate that kind of like face to face way of doing something, but virtually, I think that's powerful. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're working with the sales team. We create those email cadences. Sometimes, you know, we don't have a very large budget sometimes either. And uh, it's you can be playful with that. Just really get creative with it. I think one time uh, we said, and this feels a little deceptive, but I think we I think we pulled it off because we got a lot of good feedback from it. It was something along the lines of um, our sales rep sent the email and the email's subject line was like, did you get my, um, the, did you get the life size Yeti I sent you? And then the <laughs> next line is, uh, well, guilty confession. I haven't sent it to you yet, but I want to. And, and then you can kind of lead into the book a meeting with me. So if you have like limited stock or, or your CEO or somebody has an issue with like, I don't want to send out $500 knives to, you know, multiple people or, or anything. I mean, Yeti cups are $40, you know, like if, if you have to be um, a little more contained with whatever you're sending, you can find creative ways to engage someone and offer it up with, without, um, without actually sending it. Yeah. And, and I feel like people find humor in that too. You know, they're not going to be upset that you, they didn't get a Yeti. They'd be like, well played, well played life size. And another fun thing I've seen Mm -hmm. is um, multiple options, like people giving people their pick because you can do um, a lot of research into people on social media to determine what they'd like, but um, you may not know them completely. So it's kind of fun. Uh, I've seen people do um, offers like, hey, pick A, B, C, D, and then let me know what time you can meet and then I'll send it to you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's good as well. Um, You know, with LifeSize being a video video conferencing company, do you incorporate a lot of video in your marketing, especially for ABM? And what type of videos do you do? 
Yes, absolutely. I think all of our sales reps spend uh, a lot of canned video, not canned videos. They'll take a second to, and it doesn't take that long. And once you get in the routine, take a second to record something, um, give them a really custom experience, you know, you're using their name and then just send it off. And the open rates on something with the video are just exceptional. And video is always an, an exceptional way. To and it's not that people. hard, really. You know, yeah. it's anybody can do it. Um, and it's, it's a great skill for them to learn. And then it's good for them to take a moment to kind of brief themselves and understand fully what the customer, um, what would they, or the prospect would respond to. So I've all, I've also heard from sales reps, they feel more prepared when they're on the call because they've already done a video. Yeah, I know. Cause I think that's the hardest thing too, especially if you have like face to face on video, people get a little stage fright, which is, it's funny because you're not in front of a stage and you're in front of your computer, but you're still making sure that you don't have a wrong angle or how do I look when I'm talking like this? And so I think it just, it gets people more comfortable in front of the camera since we are moving into a more kind of virtualized world. Yeah. And they, and it's, I couldn't agree more. And the setup is already there, like, because they're recording videos, they have the lighting they want. It's so when they pop on, they're just that much more professional in, in real time as well. And for your campaigns, what is the number one thing that you track? I know within any kind of agency or I mean, uh, company that you track certain things, um, people want different KPIs and stuff. But for you personally, what do you value seeing um, when you run a campaign? Yeah, so um, what I value seeing is responses, uh, because as far as emails go, that to me is a huge success. I think that open rate and click through rate obviously have their place, but responses are really where you see you made a connection. You can't you can't get much more real than um, somebody reaching out to you. Uh, even more so than them clicking on the meeting link, because there's so many times where someone clicks on the meeting link and goes dark. Uh, when there's a response, there's almost I mean, the the conversion of them turning from a response into actual a meeting is just insane. It's like 95%. So wow. that that's what I pay attention to most is response rate. Like how many responses did it get, get to that email? And sometimes it is like, ha, ah, that's funny. You got me or, or and it, it, sometimes it may not be relevant to getting a meeting, but most of the time it, it is. Uh, and, and, and even if it isn't, we just made, you know, our brand isn't well known. I won't speak of the video <laughs> conference Goliath that everybody else knows, but, um, cause you're all thinking about it. We're using it. I know. Um, and we're actually on zoom recording too. So that's funny. <laughs> exactly. Um, but so if I can make a connection with someone to the point where they're responding to it, that kind of, um, brand, uh, awareness. Is, yeah. yeah. It's just, that, that's worth it to me. So that's what I care, what I care about most, but I totally, um, obviously at the end of the day, what we spend on a direct mailer needs to far, obviously the revenue needs to close yeah. and it needs to be paid for. So definitely. I, that that's also something that's pretty close to our and you um, mentioned something review. earlier too. somebody that doesn't like a company that doesn't have budget to target a new kind of like accounts right they yeah. only have what they have in their database um, you mentioned lost deals and i think that's powerful because um you normally have to select a reason why it was lost so you can filter you can not only just 
contact those lost deals, but you can mm-hmm. also understand why. So when you retarget them, you have yeah. a better understanding. So maybe budget was a problem last year, but it's not a problem problem for them this year. So you can get like really tailored in your messaging based off of the reasons why people have lost deals in the past. Mm-hmm. Just from a, I mean, I always recommend anytime you're running any kind of um, ABM strategy to definitely have um, specifically retargeting advertising, just so you're top of mind from a brand component. You you can just be so much less in someone's face with that targeting and spend so much less money if you if you already have if you already with an audience that kind of knows you. It's just it's they they see you while the campaigns going on and it's just like oh yeah life size i remember them you had brought up you know go after closed lost audiences another great audience to go after if you're low budget or concerned about who you want to spend money on is upsell your customers Mm -hmm. that i mean that's like the marketing trifecta because you're spending money on um you know a customer you're you're investing in your customers so you're creating more brand affinity they're much more likely um to purchase and it's just a really and they're just incredibly grateful it's just nice to be put in front of your customers again and it that that to me is if you have no money for ABM and you want to try it, just work on an upsell campaign for your customers like that. That's where to focus. And I think it's easy too. I know that um, just for the audience knowing me and Lori go way back. We've known each other for quite some time. Used to live in Austin. Um, What has it been like? Yeah, (laughs) it's been five, six years, I think. Um, But Lori and I have, we actually met funny enough that we at a HubSpot um, hug group. Well, we had met through friends before, but we didn't know we met each other. And then we met, we saw each other again in a HubSpot hug group or whatever they call it and um it kind of sparked this relationship and um so i know that Lori's worked in hubspot and i know that she's worked also in marketo uh but can you explain how that like that direct integration by using a marketing software like that that truly helps with like that upselling that you're saying oh absolutely um i mean oh there's so many different components without getting too tech nerdy too if i mean if you're not using it's very hard for small businesses probably to get into a marketing automation software that's priced well. Um, obviously, I'm biased. I definitely recommend HubSpot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm even if you're if you're a more robust company, I mean the possibilities are endless. Like if you want to if you want to send out direct mailers on a regular basis, you can use Sendosa and their um, kind of the software of um, of direct mailers, and they integrate with HubSpot. And then uh, I mean we're talking. Terminus is um, an ABM software where they serve ads um, that are custom ads to those custom audiences. So if you want um, targeted executives to only receive those ads, then uh, in all these places, then you can use something like Terminus. They they integrate with HubSpot. Uh, let's see what other tech stack. I mean, you're just opening yourself up to this world. Yeah, we we could nerd. You and I can nerd <laughs> out on all the different apps that you could use. And and you know HubSpot makes it's so easy to connect with it. So it's not as hard. It, it's not simple, but it's possible to be able to prove out these things in the way you, you want to. Um, and just knowing that every new software you introduce, you know, you have to put the work into it, but, uh, it, it just makes it all that more accurate. If you, um, had any extra budget at life size, where would that money go first? Oh my 
goodness. That's such a good question. And it's so funny. I, Monica sent me the questions ahead of time, guys, so I could kind of think about it. <laughs> and that was one I was like, oh, I really want to think about that one. And I can think of something great. And I still haven't thought of it. Because it's hard. Um, I mean, there's so many things that you want to do that you it, like, would it be social? Would it be content? Yeah, would it be pillar pages? It, I mean, there's just so many things um, that you can possibly do with the extra budget. Yeah, it's, oh, man, it's insane. I mean, I want Sendosa. Honestly, if we do direct yeah, mailers, see, there it because, is. And I think um, the main reason I want Sendosa, and this is such an in the weeds nerdy comment, but like uh, you guys know, when you have a database to maintain, that it it can become very challenging to make sure that you have the best address for the best contact. And there are so many times where when we send out a direct mailer, we'll get it back. And then I have to go manually into Salesforce and like update the address or go find it or go say that it's it's not real. And if you have um, an app that uh, that the app will kind of do that for you, like, hey, it got sent back so then it can flag it and then there's an automated process and then I can go assign that to somebody else and go go along my merry way. Yeah, you know? I know because uh, your your focus is marketing. You know, you yeah, shouldn't I don't have go high to. Level. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to deal I, uh, with like a database of addresses. <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. And uh, and I think they even have something where it's like, oh, is this this address? Um, I, they might even have some sort of address checker um, built in at this point. So um, it's it's adding that technical aspect. I, I mean, it just feels so. It feels so silly to have this stack of return stuffing like go through it. Uh, it, it almost feels like a, we were never around for this, Monica. But what a Rolodexy. Almost. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, no, I, I, would, know- I would buy that. That would be great. That and would be I, it. I, yeah. I would. I would just love to do more. I mean, direct mailers are super fun, but they—it's very hard to scale them. Um, they're expensive, and but they—they they do make an impact. But they're not necessary. I've—I've I've, um, seen just as many deals open from like a really good email that we wrote. Just the touch just point, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that that quote unquote deceptive one. I this is a, I I do have a lot of integrity, so it didn't sell well with me. But trust me, we worded it just right that the humor was there. Yeah. Um, I think we got more deals out of that than we got out of the direct mailer associated with that. So um, and I think, actually A/B tested it. Yeah, I think kind of like what I'm hearing is that you know if you have a low budget, just get crafty, get creative. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you you can do a lot with. A little bit that you have look at your content that you have see what you can use to target certain customers for abm marketing i mean use what you have if you don't have anything start creating like a content calendar because the knowledge you have it you just have Mm -hmm. to put it down on paper and Mm -hmm. you have to figure out a way that you can target these people and you have all that information there you just need to kind of extract it yeah absolutely um, well, we're almost at the, well, we're up towards the end, but I wanted a couple of fun questions at the end for Lori. Yeah. Um, so if you, between your room, desk, or car, what do you clean first? Oh man, room, desk, or car. I, I make my bed every single morning when I wake up. I think that says a lot about you, Lori. Seems yeah. like you wake up with a lot of determination <laughs> yeah. and drive it, for the rest of your day. Very, that's very sweet. It actually, I saw this video <laughs> once. It was uh, someone in the military said, you know, when you wake up first thing in the morning, make your bed because then you already did something and you got it done. Exactly. You accomplished something. I think yeah. it's like a task that you check off and you're good to go. Also, it just looks nice all day. I know. And then you can go into a nice bed. Um, And then last, do you have any words of wisdom for our audience? 
I, I think that there's a lot of time marketing can be stressful. Um, you know, something might not work and something it, or you put a lot of work into something and it didn't pan out the way you wanted it to, or maybe it's not even something, I mean, we all get those things. We don't really want to work, work on, um, you get those things where you're like, Oh gosh, I don't want to work on that. That's not a good idea. It's not strategic and you have to do it anyway. Uh, but when, when you set aside the time to allow yourself to be playful or, really sit with it and try and and find the humor in it then it makes the messaging better and you can have a campaign that you didn't want to do that turns out to be your favorite because you just think of probably the most fun and creative work you you could imagine and then it makes it really hard to start the next project but then you just got to do it um, all over again (laughs) yeah so i would say you know take the time to i get my best ideas when i'm brushing my teeth so find like make sure to take the time every once in a while to to take a step back and and find the humor in it and and do that thing that is really get in your creative zone because if if you're finding that you're doing something you don't like working on um, and you put yourself in your environment that you really thrive and your brain starts to really think of something great then you can turn a project you really don't like into maybe the best performing um, thing and most fun that you've ever had so I think that's great. Well, thanks, Lori. I appreciate it. You are our first um, interview. Or oh, my goodness. So much pressure. Podcast. I'm glad you told me that at the end. <laughs> but um, thanks. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Marketing Hero Podcast by ClearPivot. Be sure to join us next time. For more information, visit www.clearpivot.com.